0: May God bless us this morning, not because of the actions that we do, but because of His Spirit that flows through His Word. May we be convicted and blessed. Amen. Howdy! Y'all doing alright today? Yeah, So far? Okay, good. All right, I, I didn't hear any no's, so so, so far we're doing okay. Alright, good. I wanted to talk with you all a little bit today about the experience of Jesus with the Canaanite woman and in so doing I kinda wanted to start by explaining that I have this fascination with New Year's Eve now this is a little bit strange is that I never really was a huge Christmas fan I, I, I know this is strange I never was a huge Easter fan I know this is strange I was never a huge Thanksgiving fan uh, even with all the food, but for some reason, New Year's Eve was always this thing in my mind that I needed to do something fun and to celebrate it. Now it don't, don't worry, I, I, I still have a good time with Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter, but I wasn't fascinated with them the way I was with New Year's. And the thing is, is that I would always be looking for some sort of a fun event or party that I could go to for New Year's. It's because it's like, you know, Christmas, you're gonna make sure that you you go to church and you spend your time there, you know, uh, worshiping with, with Christmas Eve. Thanksgiving, you're gonna make sure that you're with your family, that you overeat and argue about something. It's not Thanksgiving otherwise. And then of course, Easter, you have to make sure that you go out and hunt for eggs. But New Year's, it's like you have to make sure, in my mind, that you've gotta go do something really, really fun. And so as I was sitting with a with a group of uh, young people that I was hanging out with and I heard them talking about The New Year's party that was coming up and I'm thinking to myself great. I have no idea what I'm gonna do for New Year's This sounds like an awesome thing You know those moments when you realize that you were talking about something fun in front of somebody that you had no interest in inviting It was one of those moments and it was the weirdest I hate that sort of a thing and it's like I, you know it's like one of those childhood things like middle school where you're just kind of like I'm stuck at the punch bowl not sure what to do it was kind of one of those moments and it was like oh really when is the new years uh, party going to happen and, and, and this moment that well well we're, we're still trying to find out what's going on oh okay great well when do you think you'll find out uh, well maybe we'll be able to get some information later today oh, okay that sounds great that sounds great new years came and went absolutely nothing. Saw the pictures on Facebook. Everybody except for me. Oh, man. How do I mean, how awkward is that feeling, right? But, but, but don't worry. Don't worry. I, I, I found some other friends to hang out with the, for the next year, so don't worry. Don't worry. Much cooler people that I get to hang out with now, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the reason why that stood out to me is that that's what it reminds me of with the Canaanite woman. You see, Jesus and his disciples had been in the middle of preaching and proclaiming the gospel, but they were doing so in areas that were lived in by the Jewish community. And then they had gone to Tyre and Sidon to step away because they were having some trouble with the Pharisees at that time. But you see, Tyre and Sidon This was Gentile territory. This was area that wasn't really Jewish in its culture. And so stepping away, they weren't really expecting to be doing anything like they had during their time among the Jewish community. Why? Because Jesus coming to fulfill the prophecies that had been given to the Jewish people. This was something where he was focused on this part of his ministry. Before sending out his disciples to reach to the ends of the earth But what ends up happening at this moment in time? This Canaanite woman and when we say Canaanite what we have to remember is that it's emphasizing Somebody who came from a background that worshiped these Canaanite gods these other entities that were not a part of Yahweh in the Israelite form of worship Because she was actually a Syrophoenician woman, as we know from one of the other Gospels. Is that she was actually from this area of Syria, and she came from a Phoenician, or a, a Greek, background for her culture. But here she is, expressing that her child has now been possessed by a demon. And the thing with this is that we don't know what led up to this moment. We don't know what it was that had been a part of her background that had led to this point where her child was possessed by a demon. We can only guess, we can only assume. But with this, is that at this moment in time, this was not a part of the main focus that Jesus and his disciples had. You see, in our gospel, it ends up having the disciples saying, send her away for she is crying out after us now what i want to make sure that i point out though is that this isn't just make her go away we don't want to see her but afterwards jesus ends up saying i was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of israel now it sounds strange unless you you realize that what the disciples were trying to get at was jesus can you just take care of what she's asking for so that she'll go away. Which is a sad reason to help somebody in the first place. But what's even stranger is what comes after this. See, this is one of those moments whenever we kind of wonder if maybe somebody misunderstood Jesus and what he was saying. Maybe if we go in and we're like, Uh, Well, let's see here. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, what else does he have to say? It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This is a very strange passage. And it's also something that bears a lot of weight on our own lives and where we are. You see, the the thing is, is that in looking at so much of what Jesus was doing, is that in the midst of what he was working with, what it was that he was doing with the miracles, and with so much of of his work, was that it was also based on teaching them. On teaching the people how he was there to fulfill everything that had led up to that point. This was a big reason for why his ministry was among the Jewish community. Because those that were outside of it, in many ways, were just looking for something miraculous. Looking for just some sort of a wonder. And Jesus didn't want his ministry to become just signs and wonders. He wanted to be teaching them of the coming of the kingdom. So for a person to come from a background where they did not know what had led up to him being there, his work there wouldn't have the same bearing. But what I find interesting is that in some ways that's much of what we do with the church today. You see oftentimes We are looking for things that create a sense of spectacle. We want things that seem beautiful or amazing or ostentatious, to use a four-syllable word that I had to teach during high school. One of the things with it is that we spend so much time wanting things to look amazing that we don't spend the time asking what led up to it. You are here for worship today on Sunday morning. What has been happening in your life in Christ for the last six days? You have come to know Jesus as your Savior. What is it that he has saved you from? And the thing is, is that we oftentimes take that for granted. We're just wanting to make sure that things seem nice. And that they are pretty for those that we get to invite here. But the truth is, is that Jesus' ministry was deeper than what was being shown on the outside. And that's the thing about what ends up coming next that's so fascinating. Would we ever consider saying to somebody that we had just met, let alone anybody that we knew even better than that, you're kind of a dog. Not so much and and that's not even considering the fact that in you know today's American society we oftentimes think of our dogs as people and somebody's pushing the baby stroller down the sidewalk and you're like Oh, they look just like and then you realize it's their dog and you're not sure which parent to say that looks just like Uh, Don't say the mother never say the mother. Okay. All right but as much as we might think that, oh, well, this could be a term of endearment, this is still an insult. And the reason for it is because the Jewish people would oftentimes call Gentiles dogs. Now, the thing is is that, in a way, though, what we oftentimes look at in trying to kind of modify what Jesus is saying misses the whole point. Is that Jesus is wanting to see exactly where she's coming from the thing is is that oftentimes when someone faces the most obstacles and the most difficult hindrances we oftentimes see what matters to them most now I, I know that the younger generation doesn't get this but there was a time when you could not do every single thing online You you had to actually go to places like the Department of Motor Vehicles to get a license They had to or you had to actually go into a store to pay a bill You had to actually maybe write something out. It was called a check. Okay? It was this thing on paper, and it was what they had before debit cards. I know hard to imagine But it was a thing but imagine that you were trying to get there to the Department of Motor Vehicles in time to make sure that you could renew your license because you maybe had waited until the very last day to go and renew it. And you knew that if you waited until the next day, your mother would have to drive you down herself. Now, uh, which may or may not have happened in my 20s. Um, But with this though, is to realize sometimes as you're trying to get right to the door, And you realize that that person is about to come up and lock it. And it's almost like you can see some of the people that it's like they stop and they kind of give up. It's like, well, it didn't work. I'm going to go back. But sometimes every so often in a blue moon, someone gets to that door and just looks at the person about to lock it and says, please, I need to get inside. And maybe since they hadn't quite turned that key yet, maybe they open up that door. And the thing is, is that as much as this moment is difficult to hear, is that this is also the chance where this woman demonstrates that she wasn't there just for the signs and the miracles. It's because she knew that he was the only one from God, the Messiah. That's what it means to say, Lord, son of David, is that's a term that is used for the Messiah. And if there's only one Messiah, where else are you going to go? That's the thing with this, is that do we treat Christ and his kingdom like the only true are we actually treating what this gospel is as the only hope to bring out to the rest of the world? How many other things do we allow to take its place? How many other things do we say, well, you know, we had a really good uh, you know, time. We saw this movie. It was really pleasant. Uh, maybe I'm not going to really talk about what we discussed in Bible study this week. Or you know, we, we had this really great dinner and I'm really glad for the opportunity, but I don't know if I really want to talk about anything spiritual. It might make things a little bit difficult. The times whenever we treat our faith like an extra. Like, here's all the things that we've got to get done, and maybe this is the little extra thing that I don't have time for today. But here's the thing with this. Jesus ends up saying, Is it, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, there's a discussion that in the Greek, the term that's used for dogs when referring to Gentiles is different from the term that's used here because this is meant to be a household pet. That's kind of sort of stretching it. It's sort of like saying a wild dog versus a little dog. It, it's sort of like whenever we say to some, somebody, Oh, bless your heart. Yeah, we know that that means, yeah, you're kind of stupid, but we're just trying to be nice. Yeah, it was sort of like that. But what does she say? Yes, Lord. And even so, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. See, the thing is, is that she didn't take that dog word and leave it be, but rather took it further. Is that it doesn't matter what place I have in your household, Jesus. Because just being in your household is more than enough. Doesn't that hit it? The times whenever we feel like What our faith is and what we've received from church and from Jesus and everything else and we find something lacking and we're disappointed somehow And we forget the fact that we've been given eternal life in Christ Jesus See at that moment in time Is that Jesus knew exactly who this woman was? And that as much as she had not been born into a Jewish household by faith she was truly part of the people of Israel. And that's the thing with this part is to be able to say your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you desire. And that's the thing is are we so involved in knowing God and pursuing his kingdom that others just have to be a part of that. We spend a lot of time trying to make sure that who we are and what we do is easy and palatable for others I, I understand that i've done that hey i switched from a king james bible to a new international hey i'm, I'm hit. i'm with it but at the same time is our life so transforming like what was happening among the people of israel at that time for those who followed Christ Jesus that others are willing to jump over whatever's needed to get to it. What is it that we are missing right now among us that others are not seeing us and wishing they could be a part of it? Kind of flips it around a little bit there. You see, one of the things that strikes me is that oftentimes as a minister, I feel like I have to convince people to be involved in ministry. I feel oftentimes like I'm trying to beg people to get to be a part of the life of the church. But then sometimes I'm humbled a little bit. I was checking back on one of the old services and I saw a bunch of the pictures from one of the Texas Ramp projects. And there was like two dozen people there working on a ramp for somebody that they've never met. And then realizing several of those people that I've never met, which meant that their outreach was going way beyond our own walls. Our small groups for discipleship. We paused in May, and I've had this thought and this fear of, oh no, how are we going to get them to start back up again? Well, there are just some that I've never even had to... Keep going in the first place. I don't even have to convince the Lifelight people or the Saturday morning uh, breakfast people or anybody else to keep on going or the, the people who go and study uh, a- after worship, uh, like here, and they still keep going time and time again. But even the ones that, that I did get a chance to be a startup to, to, to start with, no, they're ready to go. They've already figured out their curriculum, what they want to focus on, how often they're going to meet, who all is a part of it, who they're going to start inviting. And realizing that I was spending so much time trying to be convincing myself that I was forgetting that the very thing that draws people in is doing its work already of hope and mercy and grace. And that's the big piece today, is that God is still doing His work among His people, not because we have it figured out, but because God... Has it figured out? See, that's the thing, is that the very God who has walked among us, the one who has come to give us everything, even the one who tested this woman by calling her a pet dog, who then went to a cross and gave up everything for us, is still the way of bringing people into the kingdom. I know that there are times when it becomes a struggle. And I know that there are times whenever we get offended. We get hurt. And there are times whenever the people who are around us are the very people that we feel like are Canaanites that we wish we could just get rid of because they're kind of a nuisance. But those are the very people that end up showing us God's love even more strongly than we show it to them so this morning, maybe to ask the question of what are the things that have kept you from pursuing the kingdom of God? Who are the people that you have wanted to keep at arm's length because you just didn't want to have to deal with that? And maybe to ask, how is it that God this morning is sending you to them? Not with some great miracle or some beautiful sign but rather with the only thing that can truly change. Mercy, forgiveness, and hope. Because whatever may be hurting you, maybe they need to see that hope in you as well.